0: All right, well, we finish up the book of Philippians here tonight. We're over in chapter 4. Let's pick up at verse 10 where we covered last time and work our way over to 14. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now uh, last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. For no... I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we can do all things. We can bridge that gap from wherever our supply is to what our need is. As many times and as great of a distance there might be between that, it makes no difference. He goes from there and says, Nevertheless, Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Again, we're still talking about that difference between the supply and the need that you have. That very often there is a difference in what's there. And he says, nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. We're going back to the part of them having sent the offering and having taken care of the needs that he had. The word here, nevertheless, that you have done well that you shared. The word there for shared is the, uh, basically is the Greek word koinonia, which many of us know, you know, they have a nice little songs about all that sort of stuff. But it does mean partnership. We see this in verse 15. It is the word koinonia and the word uh, sun koinonia in verse 14, which is what we're reading here. The prefix sun meaning together, com, uh, companionship or with. They're teamed up with the word for partner, associate or companion. So you have... Done well that you shared. He's actually saying that they've, they've come alongside and have become partners with Paul in what he's doing there. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. The word here for distress is the word that is often used for tribulation. It means anguish, burdened, persecution, tribulation, trouble. So basically, you have shared in my troubles the things that were going on with, with him. And of course, we know the troubles that Paul has in ministry. There's a lot of them that he runs into. And he says that they have shared in these things. Not, they're not with Paul, but he still says, Nevertheless, you have done well that you have shared in my distress. Verse 15. <clears throat> now you, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me There's that word koinonia again. That's just without the word soon. They were not with him. No church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. So of all the churches that Paul has under his care, all the churches that he has been a part of sharing, all the churches that he has gone out and and, uh, sowed into, been the apostle of, of all the churches, this is the only one that helped him out. He says... You Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel... Now, what's he mean here by the beginning of the gospel? Well, if we look at the timing of all this, because he talks about Thessalonica and how he had gone on from there, this is basically the beginning of the gospel there in Philippi. That when he had come in, he had preached the gospel, many people believed, and that was basically the start of the gospel there in that city. So he's talking about the beginning, it seems to me anyway, talking about the beginning of the gospel there in Philippi. So... Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, remember he had that call to go to Macedonia? no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. but they had just become a church, and Paul was not even there for for all that long of a time. he was there you know long enough to ministering to the women's group and then the lady who was following him and then he cast that one out and all the riots took place and then uh, he went into prison and the next day he leaves. So it wasn't that long, maybe a couple weeks at the most, that he was there. And there wasn't a whole lot of a church that was started at that point. He left some people behind and the church began to grow. He must have spoken of Paul. Of course, Paul's presence was known because of of all the Activity that had gone on in the city because of Paul and because he made the leaders take him around in the city and, and do all those those kind of things. But this church just got started. Brand new church. Wouldn't you think there's some things they could be thinking about, focused on, besides taking care of Paul and going on to the next city? He says here in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no one else partnered with me. No one else came alongside you were the only one who shared with me. So this brand new church outdid other churches that had already already uh, gone on. Now, in this particular missionary trip, he is on this trip with Silas, not Barnabas. So Barnabas and Paul had already done the first missionary trip. All those churches were already started. Not a single one of those churches, Paul says, came in alongside. They're more established churches, but this one, this is the one so Paul leaves Macedonia and heads on over to Thessalonica and some of the other places there and they sent an offering to help him out. They jumped in on the, on the ministry there. When you look at the timing of it all, it certainly talks about the, how much this must have meant to Paul that these folks who just got saved just have this church and of course you've got a brand new church you've got, probably got a lot of things you can be focused on and they didn't do that. I wanted to go over to the uh, book of Acts. and well, go, go to verse 16 first. For even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities. So at least two times they sent aid. Sent it one time. Of course, you know, it's, it's harder to send aid back in these days because you've got to give it to somebody. And then they have to traverse the roads and all the robbers and things like that that are along the way. And, and, and get there with the particular gift that you made. That's, uh, that's not easy. They did it once. They did it twice. At least. In a short period of time. Because how long was he over there in Thessalonica? So I thought it would be fun for us to go over here to Acts chapter 17 and just read this again. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis, Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. This is after they had left Philippi, after they left Macedonia, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures. So, three Sabbath days, uh, the rest of the week, it doesn't say that they were there, but there were three days, three Sabbath days, over the course of three weeks, that he was there in the synagogues when people would come in. This was his custom. And he reasoned with them from the scriptures about the gospel, about Jesus Christ, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, saying, this Jesus, whom I preach to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and a great multitude of devout Greeks. And not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. But the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathered a mob set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. Well, don't we see this today? If people don't like something that's being said, people don't like something that's going on, they get all the evil people they can and get a mob. Go around and start burning things and turning cars over and beating people and whatever else that they do. Apparently they were doing it a long time ago. Nothing new. But the Jews, who were not persuaded, became envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace, gathered a mob, set all the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason. I mean, you could say this is coming out right in the newspapers today. What right do they have to go and attack the house of Jason? But they did. And sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren, the rulers to... uh, uh, Rulers of the city crying out, Those who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Jason has harbored them, and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying, There is another king, Jesus. And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. So when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. So they didn't just hear the words on the Sabbath, but during the other days during the week, they were checking them out. Probably came back on the following Sabbath, had some questions. Asked some questions. Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. Kind of sounds like the same... Before. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, they came there also and stirred up the crowd. Sounds just like today, doesn't it? Got to come from other cities over to this place and cause trouble there. A lot of the riots we saw in the last couple of years, how many of them they found out don't even live in the town. Just in there burning stuff and breaking glass and messing with people. Not even living there. They came there also and stirred up the crowds. Then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea. But both Silas and Timothy remained there. So those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens... And received a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed. They departed. Now while Paul waited for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw the city was given over to idols. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers. And in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Now you go over to Thessalonica and you reason with the Jews. And people get, revival begins to happen. And then riots happen after a couple of weeks. And they kick you out of the city. Then you go over to Berea. And you reason with the Jews in the synagogues. And after a couple of weeks, riots begin to happen. And they kick you out of the city. Then you go to the next city. And what should you do? <laughs> he goes into the synagogues. He reasons with the, the, the people there. You would think uh, eventually he's going to learn, I shouldn't do this anymore. But he's going to keep on preaching the gospel. Now this is the atmosphere for which this new church at Philippi partnered with Paul. They sent him an offering. They all took up an offering. Somehow they found out where he was, that he was in need of some things. And so they took up an offering and they sent it on there after him. Apparently at least twice. Now here's the thing with this. They aren't just writing a check and sending it off to him, Because if these people are so upset at the ministry of Paul, that they would send people from Thess- Thessalonica out to Berea to follow after him and stir up trouble there. What do you think they would do to people that are financing them? Now we see that going on today. You know, if they, if we don't like something that somebody does, well, then letters are written to all the sponsors to drop this one, and if they don't, then you know, and all, all these kind of things are going to be threatened and and so forth. Well, it's probably happening back then as well threats could have been made and if if only one church one group one city is supporting Paul only one it's not hard to figure that out I mean we can figure it out now how much easier was it then there wasn't a whole lot of things to focus on and people talk they find that out so if you're in Philippi you're thinking these folks get nasty If we jump in there with Paul, they may come over here to get us. Stir up our city. But they still did it anyway. And Paul says, you shared in my distresses, my troubles. This is what he's probably referring to. Is when you got involved with me, you got involved with the trouble. And that trouble could come back and and get you guys. But they did it once, they did it twice. Twice. Why we put in there? Why is the gift they sent a partnership? Because they're not just sending money; they're, they're, they're supporting Paul in being able to take the gospel to Thessalonica, taking the gospel over to Berea. And the, the folks over at Thessalonica, we know how how strong of a church they they underwent a lot of tribulation. So much so they thought they were in the end times, but they still stayed strong. That's quite a church. And the the Philippians had a part in that they helped Paul to be able to do it. Two times, at least two times we know that while he was there. He was not there very long. He was there, what, a couple of weeks? Unless he has has in mind that another time that he came there. But that's the time we have him going through with the, the book of Acts. And of course, that's when they were a brand new church. Verse 17. Not that I seek the gift but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. It's easy to get in that spot where you begin to seek the gift. You get gift-minded. Well, I need to have a gift here. I need to have this. You can get money-minded. You can have this at your job. If you get onto a job and you get money-minded, focused on the money, and that's all. You don't get focused on the job. You just focus on the money. It changes the way that you work. You gotta, you know, there's some people who love their job. And they work hard at it. Because it's more than just money. They love their job. And they put everything into it. And other people, they just show up for the paycheck. And you can tell the difference. And and that's going to be with with whatever it is we do. If we get mindful of the gift only, it changes how we do things. But Paul says, I don't seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Because Paul knows, if you have a hand in what it is that I'm doing, then things are going to abound to your account. Now that word abound there means to superabound. And we see it a lot of times in in scriptures, about six, seven, eight times in a lot of the verses that you're familiar with. This word is being used to superabound, to make abundant, to increase, to have over. A lot of times we'll see this in the word that your love may abound. We've seen that used a, a few times. But he's here that not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Seek the fruit. That word there for fruit, the same word for fruit you'll see Jesus use over and over again. He talks about good fruit and bad fruit. He says, I seek the fruit that would abound, super abound to your account. Now, keep this in mind. This word here, well, this word for account is actually the word lagos Not the word I would think. To be used for an account, but I looked at a number of different translations and they all seem to go the same way. This this means an account. I guess maybe it's meaning a written account. But not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Keep in mind that you have an account and that things are being added or taken away to that account. And Paul is mindful of their account, not just his own. And he wants things to abound. And the word there being superabound to their account. Goes on in verse 18. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you. A sweet-smelling aroma. An acceptable sacrifice. Well-pleasing to God. So here's another offering that they had sent while he's over here at Rome. Epaphroditus brought it. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma. Now, we saw that Paul had made it reference to that they first had taken opportunity, then they didn't have opportunity for a while, and then an opportunity came and they took it. This is that opportunity that came up again. And he's saying Epaphroditus brought this over. But he describes this, Indeed, I have all, and that's our very famous word there, it means all, and abound. But when he uses this word for abound, it is a different word for abound. It is not the word for super abound. It is the word, and I wrote it in your outline for you, it means exceeding a certain number or measure to be over. <clears throat> so what you have here is you have a need that he had and he was over it. But what he wants for their account is that they would superabound, that it would go way over. But for him, he says, What you sent me, I had a need here, and now that need is filled, and I have more than I need because of what you did. So he talks about abounding himself, but he wants them to superabound. Uses different words there. So, let's read it all again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. So, the things that they have done to partake here with Paul, he's saying this is a well-pleasing thing to God. They continue to stay mindful of Paul. It just amazes me that a, a young church like the, the, the Philippians had, would take up an offering for Paul, traveling minister and apostle, that he would uh, be heading on out, taking the gospel to other places. Then he comes back in here. And here's our, our favorite verse for some. And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So here's the context of it all. He's saying, because you have sown, because you went outside of yourself, went past your needs that you had as a young church to pursue and help me, and you were the only one who did it. The only one who did it. And you were focused on all these things. Didn't get focused on all this stuff. There was other things that they could have been looking to didn't focus on that. They focused on, uh, on this, and it had to be God was speaking to them about it because no one else was coming along, and Paul needed some help, and so God moved upon Philip and probably moved upon other ones too, and they didn't listen, or they were too caught up with other needs. But this one listened. Just amazes me. This is this young church that had done that. So then he says, "My God." shall supply your needs now he's not talking about an individual here he's talking about them as a group my God shall supply because their offering was as a group they took it up as a group and they sent it to him this is from the Church of Philippi it wasn't from brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so it was from from the, the church that was over there that they have a part in it so he talks about them having a part in the ministry that things are uh, are coming apart uh, or being a part of their account and you know we do that here at the at the church. We get to send things off to um, to different ministries, and uh, still like to get that thing done where we can have our our web page done. Just have that uh, ministries, think the different ones that we, we support. I've had this over here carried it over with me for a couple of weeks. Haven't uh, haven't done it, but we uh, we send monies over to Rick Renner Ministries. Rick Renner you know, he put up on the on the, on the Facebook. He says, uh, "Who?" Do, he had a conversation with his staff. He says, "Who do you guys see that I am?" And he mentioned a couple of things. Do you see me as a as a Bible teacher? Do you see me as a pastor? Do you see me as a missionary to to Russia? Uh, anybody see that little post that he put up there? On nobody saw that one. He put that up there, and you know, there are the super spiritual people putting things in. Oh, brother Rick, don't you be concerned with, about what other people think about you. Just go on. Yeah, it's ridiculous. He's just asking for some information, and I don't know why he needed it. He just was asking for it. So I went up there and I, I said, well, this is you know, this is how I see him. I know he is a pastor, but I don't get to see him in that role ever. I'm never in a place where I see him as a pastor. If he comes over here to the states, he's operating as a teacher. So I wrote on there. I said, I see you as a Bible teacher and an apostle to the country of Russia. Because that's what he's done. He has started many, many churches, uh, raised up many pastors. Thousands of churches are going on in the former Soviet bloc countries because of what they're doing. Many more are hearing the gospel because he's gone on the radio. Or, I'm sorry, on the TV. He is the most watched TV program in the Soviet bloc countries. You imagine that? The most watched TV program in the Soviet bloc countries seeing the gospel of Jesus Christ he, uh, he started uh, one church in, the, in in raga Riga, Riga. Uh, that was his uh, place to, to start the first church and he 's moved on and started some other churches left other pastors to be there and, and start that and one of the last church was well, the church 's pastor now he started down the road from the Kremlin down the road from the Kremlin you can I think you can see the Kremlin from the church there. And when they opened up that building, this is amazing. I don't, anybody ever heard the story when they opened up? They opened up the building in Moscow for this particular church and the Kremlin sent people to uh, as representatives at the, at the church. Uh, Putin actually sent representatives from him to be there at the church putting his stamp of approval on what was... Isn't that amazing? <laughs> that would be going on. And... Uh, well they have a, a vision to put some other churches up in the area of moscow uh, i know I know this from uh, just hearing him talk about it on the on the radio. He travels from where he lives to the church that he has there in moscow it's about ten ten miles distance. Um, he does not drive it. he has a driver and while he's driving, he and his wife are working he's writing books he's uh Uh, all these kind of things because it takes him about one hour to get from his house to the church to travel 10 miles. The traffic is that bad. And that's pretty much every day. So he's either on the phone, he's in the backseat typing on things because it takes an hour. Now I would have a different way of getting there. (laughs) I (laughs) I, I could probably beat him to the to the church, but anyway, that's what what he would do. He would talk about that. He he uh, he and his wife would sit in the back, and they'd be typing, writing, calling, and doing all their stuff while they're so they weren't losing time. And this uh, they have a driver there, and they would drive them to the to the place they had to go. But they're going to be starting other churches in the Moscow area because you know if you had to put up with an hour trip for ten miles, <laughs> that's got to be tough for some of the folks to go. They fill the church up, but anyway. They just opened up their second satellite church in Moscow. And that's uh, Moscow North. They had Moscow South before that. Moscow North is just the uh, the latest one. And I, I forget how many they said they they were looking to do all together. So this little card has some pictures of it. If you want to take a look at those. And if you want to do those uh, little scan things, it's got a little scan image. You can scan that in and, and check out some more things on that. But you all have a part in that. Because we as a church collectively send them money to for the, the work that's going on in Russia. So when we all get to heaven, we get to have a a hand for <laughs> putting things up to our account for what's going on there in, in the Soviet the Soviet Union. Amen. Glory to God for that. Amen. And uh, it's it's certainly good good a uh, good good field to be sown into. But I mean, as far as I, I see him as an apostle. I not necessarily a missionary, but uh, as an apostle because he's raising up ministers. He's raised up Thousands of pastors, and they've gone out and they've uh, started other churches and and done other things. And so the gospel is just being spread all through there. But uh, he went in there as soon as the Iron Curtain fell. And if you ever, anybody ever heard his whole story of how he went in there when the Iron Curtain fell? Oh, I'll tell you what it is. It is quite the the story to hear. Uh, The Point of No Return, if you want a good book to read... That's one of his books that he goes through and he tells all the different stories that had gone on here. Uh, he, the encounters he had with the Russian mafia. Uh, some of them are kind of hair-raising and things that have gone on and God preserved them through it. And we, we, we've been partners with them for many, many years and for many years and the things that have gone on over there we've all had a hand in it as many other churches have in the, uh, in the Soviet Union or in the the United States here, are helping out with those things over in the Soviet Union, getting things built, getting things done, and uh, some of the stories that he tells. He's one of the best storytellers. Anybody ever listened to Rick Renner? Best, Probably the best pastor, storyteller, teacher that I know of. He just pulls you in. And if you go up on YouTube and look up some of his um, teachings that he has, you'll generally find they're an hour and a half to two hours long. He does not teach short. Uh, but you never mind it. It's just, uh, it's, you've listened to it. Have you ever minded it? He's, he's long. And he shortens them up when he's here in the States. Because over there, he, he can go on a lot longer. I'm not so sure they can't on Sundays anymore because they have multiple services. And you have to get one crowd out and get the next ones in. But that's all of us pulling together. And we, we send out to these different places. It's, I mean, Rick Renner has just been great ground, it just keeps growing. They just keep doing more and more things and, and uh funding more things and I'll tell you what just some of the stories that you hear of him and the in the places where he has gone to uh put the put the gospel message out. He went into a Muslim country. Flew to a Muslim country to meet with the person who's who's uh over the all the T V stations, all the broadcasts, and say, I wanna be on the T V Christian <laughs> And he tells the story about that. I just heard that one again recently. Just amazing some of the stories that go on. So if you want some good stuff to listen to, uh, do a search for Rick Renner on YouTube and you can have some fun listening to some of the things that are going on over there in, in Russia. But that's a good book for you to read. And every time that you read, different things that are going on, just know we've got a hand in that. We have a hand in that. We are partnered with that. We have some things going on there. And it's a, it's a tremendous thing to be able to do my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So when we have a need, and again, he's been talking here when our, our need and our supply is different. My supply is short. He says, I find I'm, I'm content. I can be content even when my supply is over what I need or my supply is under what I need. doesn't matter. My contentment doesn't come in my supply being equal to the need. My contentment comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where You've got to learn how to have your contentment there, not from these other things. A lot of times we want our contentment to be when my uh, need is equal to my supply. And we're just going, to, going along there. We, we like that. Or have a supply be greater than your, than your need. We like that being better. <laughs> but that's not what he's, uh, he's talking about there. And my God shall supply all your need. So look to, look to God. He said, but you see, the, the prerequisite was that they met needs before. They had met needs before, and as you step out, and God speaks to you and says, "Send Paul some money," something along those lines. And you don't know that Paul has a need. You don't know what's going on with Paul. You don't know what's going on with this particular. Thing, but he just comes upon you and says, "Send so and so some some money," and uh, you're just going out there and to and to do that. There's a there's a uh, story that uh, Brother Rick tells, it's just—it's an outstanding story. And I recommend highly, even after I tell you this part of it, highly that you go hear him tell it himself. Because he was building this, um, this particular uh, church. I forget which church it was, but they had to excavate, excavate the whole area. As I said, it was about the area of football field. There was so much peat moss in there that just to get down to where you were having some rock, they had to excavate all of this peat moss and just truck it out of there. And they had to spend a lot of money just to make a hole in the ground. Peat moss, of all things. And just a size of a football field. And they, they spent, I forget how much money, it was a lot of money they had to, had to spend. And the idea, the, the contract they had with the government, I and mean, this is not the United States, this is not here. The government allowed them to build on this property for a church. The Soviet Union government allowed them to build on this property for a church, but they gave them a time limit. You must have the church built, and I think it was a period of a year. If you don't, you forfeit the ground, you forfeit everything. Everything will be lost if you don't have it done in this particular time. And so they got all this done, and they used all their money that they had to build a hole in the ground, and they had nothing more left. And so they had to keep building, and the next stage that we're at, I believe they needed two hundred thousand dollars. Two hundred thousand dollars to come in, and he just was—he was. This is one of the ones he talks about worry. If you ever want to, if you look that up, Rick Renner, worry and uh, anxiety and stuff. He has a message that's on this. He tells a story on it, and he does a much better job because he's just a phenomenal storyteller. Plus, he lived it, and he's over there, and he's just consumed. With worry, and his wife, you know, he said, "Oh, Rick, just give it to the Lord," (laughs) and he said, "Does just make them (laughs) matter. Just give it to the Lord," (laughs) and he just, you know, fussing with this whole thing. They're out at dinner with some people, and he just uh, consumed with this need two hundred thousand dollars that they had need of to come in, and just then they got a phone call. And the phone call was from, the, I believe, uh, uh, Pastor Pearson, who's a pastor at Eagle Mountain. And they had uh, called him up and and they had said, Brother Rick, are you just sitting here thinking about you? And boy, we felt impressed to give you a call and to let you know that we are right now sending you a check for $100,000. $100,000. And he was so... He was so glad for that. $100,000 of the $200,000 that needed to come in. Right there. Anybody ever heard this story? you ever, ever hear that? Ah, oh, man. So he um, he was uh, he was glad for a little while. <laughs> He's sitting there at dinner and, and uh, $100,000 just came in. This is great. People partnered with him. And so he was thinking about that. Then all of a sudden the thought came in. I still need $100,000. And so he's caught up with the worry and the anxiety and all this stuff about this. And and his wife, oh, Rick, just give it to the Lord. (laughs) And he's all caught up with this. Where am I going to get another $100,000? And the phone rings again. And this time it's uh, the Copelands. And they called up and said, Brother Rick, we we're sitting here talking about you, thinking about you, and we felt impressed that we're supposed to send you $100,000. Oh, glory to God. $100,000. And he's, he's, you know, that's 200000 That's, that's the, the money he needs for this, the next stage of it. This is great. This is great. And then the thought hits him. You and and have to hear him describe this. He says, What if they're both talking about the same $100,000? <laughs> And he said, what do I do now? Do I call him up and say... <laughs> oh. <clears throat> it's an absolutely astounding uh, message on worry and anxiety. If you ever pull that up on YouTube, just make sure you got an hour and a half, two hours, because it will take all of that to, to listen to it. Well worth the time. Well worth the time. Best storyteller I know ever. But, you see, people have partnered in with that. And so when they when they listen to that voice that was in the inside. Send so and so this. They didn't call him up and say, do you have a need for this? They just said, we're sending it to you. And that's what the Philippians did. The Spirit of God came upon them, send Paul this, and they just sent it. We just sent them some. Send Paul some more. So they sent him again. And then, according to Paul, they didn't have opportunity for a while, but then opportunity came and they sent Paul while he was over there in his imprisonment in Rome. They sent him some more. Now, here's the thing about this. He's over here in the imprisonment in Rome. Do you remember the stories in in the book of Acts? How he got to Rome, the shipwreck, and uh, the island of of Malta when he was on there. And then after they had the healing revival, he was brought into the house of the ruler of uh, 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 Malta. And uh, he left with a lot of money. He had offerings that were being taken up from the folks there. He had the, the, the people there that were very grateful for his time there in the ministry, and they blessed him. And so, Paul, after being shipwrecked and losing everything that he had, shows up at, uh, at, at Rome off the boat with probably some nice looking clothes, some brand new luggage, <laughs> and pockets full of money. He's not in need. In fact, he had so much money, he was able to rent a facility that was able to have an entire church meeting in it, in his living room. He's able to have all these people over for a church meeting while he's in prison over in Rome. And he had money to afford to rent for that because of all the things that happened. And so the Philippians just sent him money while he's up there. And he says, You guys just put me over the top. I mean, I've, everything that I need is, I got more than enough. Not a superabundant word that he used before, but he says, but you listened to God and you did these things and because you guys have listened and supplied the needs of others, basically is what he's, he's getting at. Because you have listened to God and you sent out from what you had, from your supply, and made your supply available to God to supply things that were needed in the gospel, then my God will use His supply to minister to you. But see, the first thing that happened was they used their supply to minister to God and the things that were needed there. And my God shall supply all your need so the needs are yours all your need according to His riches in glory. Not someone else's. Not according to Paul's riches in glory. Not according to some other person according to His by Christ Jesus. So if you want that word to work for you, you got to be part of the supply. Be part of the supply when God says I need you to supply this thing over over here. When God says to do it, you listen. You don't say, "Well, I don't have that much. Uh, My my need is is greater than my supply. I have to use my supply for for the." But God says, "No, I need you to send." I mean, the things He's going to be telling us are like ten bucks, twenty-five bucks, hundred bucks, maybe five. He's not going to be telling us you know, multiple thousands unless we have multiple thousands. But he's going to tell us these things. But God has multiple millions, so to speak. I mean, he doesn't have dollars in heaven and he doesn't counterfeit. But his supply is great. He says he owns the cattle on a thousand hill. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So we see the context of this according to His riches and glory, not Paul's or any others. So here's your your only blanks you got. There was a sowing. There was a sowing. They sowed the offering. They sowed into this this group offering that went. There was a partnering. They partnered with Paul into a, a ministry, Thessalonica and others, where the people, where there were some evil people there. And it's real easy to not become part of it. I mean, how easy has it been for people to say, "Well, I'm not going to become part of that because look what happens to so and so when they became partnered with this, or they stood up for this particular thing, and and look at what came to came to them." Um, uh, did anybody see the post I put up on the church Facebook page? Uh, I put a little video up there of the, the. I don't even know who this guy was. I didn't, really hadn't heard about him at all, but he was defending his faith in Christ Jesus. Anybody got there and see that? Oh. All right, we'll get back. i tell you, there's some things up there on the church Facebook page. and I don't even have any other place to put it. But he was before the Congress for, I'm not sure what the reason he was. Bernie Sanders was the one he was uh, interviewing. Bernie Sanders was just nailing him for his Christian beliefs. And he just said, I told you I'm a Christian. And if you haven't seen that, it's just uh, amazing. Bernie Sanders, uh, he's ready. I'm not going to vote for you because you're... Uh, you're not open to what the Muslims are doing. You're not open to what the Jewish people are doing. You're saying that Jewish people and Muslims are going to hell because they don't believe in Jesus Christ. I am a Christian. He just kept coming. I, I liked the way he did. But how much of us would have would have fared that well under that kind of pressure? We look at the things that are going on. Well, it's a whole lot easier. But I'll still believe that, but I'll just be quiet about it. No reason for me to be out there and, and be, be saying all this, but he didn't. He said it. You saw the thing? How many times did he say, I am a Christian. I believe that Jesus Christ is the way. He kept saying that in front of Congress and wouldn't back off from from that. But the pressure is there, folks. Are we going to partner with these things? These Philippian saints said, Paul, even though it is not popular what it is that you are doing, and the people who rise up against you, though they may not be great in number or very great in the opposition that they give you, we will still partner with you. We will still stand for those things that are right, those things that are true. And so they didn't just send money. They stood up with Paul and they made themselves out to be a target. They became partners in the ministry. So there was a sowing. There was a partnering. There was a building of an account there was a building of an account Word. there was logos. That's a written word. Apparently it is written down the things that are going on. And then a supplying. So there's a sowing, a partnering, a building of an account and then a supplying. So Let's not lose the order of, of things. But a lot of times we want to go to the supplying part. But we, have, we skipped all the others. I'm not saying you all skipped all the other I'm just saying you know, people who hang on to that verse will skip all the other things just to get to that good part. But when you have done the sowing, the partnering, building up an account, just know that my God shall supply your need according to His riches and glory. Don't sit around looking to, looking to people. Look into that. Paul says, I don't look for, I don't, I'm not looking for the gift. I'm not here. I'm not, that's not my um, mindset. I'm mind, my mindset is I want the fruit to go to your account. Verse 20, Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. <laughs> I don't know if this is what they do but he says, you know, go around, find all them brethren that are out there and greet them. Hey, Paul says hi. Paul says hello. All the saints greet you but especially those who were of Caesar's household. Now think about this. Paul has saints in Caesar's household. So now Caesar is surrounded by people who are believers. Because Paul has gone to Rome to preach the gospel. Now Caesar is surrounded by believers. Spirit-filled believers if you believe, you know, Paul's going to have his way. They're going to be spirit filled believers. So you've got all these people around Caesar now praying in tongues, believing the word, interceding, making supplication according to the word of God, all around Caesar. How much does the devil hate that? I'm sure he's got to be, be bothered by it. But I just think that is great, especially those who were of Caesar's household, they say hi. Why are they doing that? Because he told them the stories of Philippi. He told them the stories of Thessalonica. He told them all the stories of these places. He told them how the Philippians sent offerings to help him out over in here. How they just, this just came from the Philippian saints. They sent us over here for the work of the ministry, for the things that we're doing in this place. Oh, tell those people we said hi. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen and that concludes Paul's letter to the, to the Philippians I'm sure we didn't tell you anything brand new about this we've talked about these things with the Philippians and the uh, needs uh, the supply and all that sort of stuff but keep in mind God will call on you to be a supply don't be stingy When he calls on you to be a supply. Because as you supply, he will open up his supply. You want his supply open? Open up yours. And and God will always hit you with something that's going to be a test. It's always going to come at a time when something else is there. And he's going to say, give this, do this, whatever it might be. Oh, but you know, right can it be next month? Because, you know, this month I got this and this coming on. Remember, the Philippian church, the brand new church. Lots of things they probably had to do. Should have been focused on brand new church. And What do they do? Let's take up an offering for Paul for the work that he's doing over there in Thessalonica. And they stayed mindful of it and then did it again. Because the Spirit of God came upon them and said, do it. What has God called you to do in the area of supply? Don't hold back. Be willing. Don't look to need. Look to the voice of the Spirit. The flesh wants us to look to need. Well, they don't really need it that bad. Well, I probably need it more. Don't look to need. Just listen to the voice of the Spirit. That's what will get us into having that verse 19 be working for us. Father, we thank you for the example we have in the Philippian saints. We thank you for the things that are taught to us in this book. We thank you, Father, that we can, with our meager supply, open up the great storehouse of heaven to be a supply for us. Help us, as we listen to your voice, we hear, and it's our decision to obey, Father, I I pray right now that each opportunity we have, we choose obedience over fear and worry and anxiety. Well, I just can't do that now. I'll do that later. I'll do that next. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.